It takes more than typing git rebase into your performance review to increase your rating <laughs> to be a great software engineer. This is episode 304 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is your weekly advice show where we talk about the non-technical stuff in the technical field of software development. And someday we'll have a rebase for time. Oh, and then I will just I will destroy the timeline by <laughs> rebasing wrong. You mean by <laughs> resolving conflicts? <laughs> sure. Get rebase, reset dash dash hard. hard. Yeah. <laughs> Stone Age or something like that. We'll we'll try again. We'll go back and try again. It's perfect. That's not what this is about, though. Indeed. Today's episode is sponsored by Hired, the best way to quit your job and get a new one. We'll tell you more about them later. We are also supported by these fantastic folks on Patreon. Thank you to Jenny Kim, Brian J, Memester Josh? Yes. Maybe? It's in Leet Speak. <laughs> Owen, Shardle, Craig, Motlin, Roman Code, Isla Mays, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Andrew Pollock, Aranduna, Koshakton, Ohio, patreon.com.au. We're hiring Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing is Documenting.org, Oladapo Fadye, Will Angel, Ragnar Harrison, Timmy Garabrandt, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Vasile. Thank you to each of you. And thank you to anyone who has contributed in the past. If you want to help support the show, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. And you'll get an invite to our Slack community, which is, let's see, they have a nice timber to their voice. I'm trying to think of a new adjective. <laughs> yes. Soothing to listen to through right. your headphones. That's the adjective. <laughs> Soothing to read the words they type into Slack. Yes. And if you contribute above $10 a month, I think you can even listen to our commissioned artworks of songs about soft skills engineering Yes, uh, on Patreon. It'll, it'll unlock them for you and also unlock the love in your heart. <laughs> just make your life better in general. J Jameson, just real quick, I noticed you mentioned the lower bound on the contribution level for accessing our songs, but I don't think you mentioned the upper bound. Yeah, there is a limit of one and a half million dollars yes. on the tier list in Patreon, I think. I know that affects some of our listeners, so I just want you to be aware. I felt like in the interest of completeness. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like the QA vibe in you. Well, you have to say both bounds. Yeah, of course. Could just say one. Also, don't don't go don't go enter a negative number because that will really hurt us. <laughs> you know, although if you want to contribute at the million and a half dollar level, I can give you a small discount if you just give it directly to us <laughs> instead of go through Patreon and make us pay the Stripe fees on that. Yeah. <laughs> Platform fees. Yes. <laughs> Platform fees of, of my salary. I switched array from Trello. Okay. Dave, do you want to read our first question? Yes, this comes from a listener named Average Andy. Average Andy says, I just hired someone as my direct report who is very, very smart and has a great background, Ivy undergrad CS, Ivy grad school, and big tech experience. This is great, except he's definitely much smarter than me. I slacked my way through a liberal arts degree and have worked only for small startups my whole career. I've gotten by, but I'm no 10Xer. How do I be a good manager for him considering all this? I want to help him grow in his career and be a good resource for him, but I don't know what I have to offer. Should I just give him my key to the non-existent middle manager cafeteria and say, I work for you now? <laughs> 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 
you're the boss now. It's like the it's the reverse. I am the captain now. Yeah, <laughs> look at me. You are the boss now. Yeah. <laughs> How can I be a good manager friend considering all this? This is interesting. There's a premise in here that uh-huh. to be a manager of someone, you have to have like a superset of their skills. You have yes. to be able to do everything they can do better right. and do some other stuff. That they and can't do. I don't do. think that's true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you have to be able to replace them with no one noticing except that things will get even better. Right. <laughs> Your performance will improve. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's true. I think it's you can manage someone who is great at their job and be great at the job of managing them without being able to be great at their job. Right. And I'll leave it to Dave to tell you how. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the way that you do this, uh, if you are less competent than the people who report to you, is through an elaborate web of lies and deceit to cover up <laughs> your weakness. Step one, never let them know. Yes. No one can find out. You just have to really lean in on the imposter syndrome. Well, okay. There's also another thing to key off of here, which is that this this person went to an Ivy undergrad, Ivy grad school, big tech experience. You slacked off in a liberal arts degree. I think you're about to star in like a buddy comedy where this person needs to slow down and experience life. And they've been too busy achieving to really exist, you know? Mm-hmm. So you need to, you, you have the opportunity to share your slacker wisdom with them. They're furiously typing, and you just stop and say, have you ever looked at how nice that keyboard looks? Just pause for a minute. <laughs> okay. Help them appreciate things in life, you know? Mm-hmm. That's my stereotype anyways. It's beautiful. It's elegant. Thank you. <laughs> I want to help grow his career and be a good resource. So there's there's some, sub, some set of tasks that regardless of, of if this person could do them or not, they won't have time to do, and you can be helpful by... Mm. Just being a human who can do stuff. I'm thinking of things like... Like, oh, I got an idea. Shine his shoes. <laughs> Open doors. Deliver deliver him. the coffee. Yeah. yeah. You know, the things he doesn't have time for. Yeah. If there's, if there's not a standing desk, but he wants one, you stand underneath the desk and like squat it upwards <laughs> on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you would like to stand now? One second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one inch lower? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, I, no, I can't make the desk stop shaking. <laughs> you will have to deal with it. <laughs> uh, I want to help him grow in his career and be a good resource for him. So one of the things is you have company contacts and knowledge that this person doesn't have. Okay. You just hired them. You work here already. You can help point them to people who could help solve particular problems for them or point them to uh, like like getting them up to speed quickly if mm-hmm. they really are a fabled 10xer will have very high returns that you get to take all the credit for. Perfect. As the person who helped them get to the 10x level even faster. Right. <laughs> like achieve their 10x output here faster. Or the 100x. I mean, come on. Such a limited mindset. Well, yeah, I have not experienced the transcendent joy of having someone squat my desk up for me. (laughs) I can only imagine how much faster that would make me at my job. Yeah. So you're saying do things for this person that they don't have time to do for themselves. Bring context that that they don't have yet that you can help with. And I will say there is something also that you have that they don't. Well, actually, I should say you're about to have it after you hear the thing I'm going to say next, (laughs) which is a total disregard 
for the superiority of an Ivy League degree in computer science. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really think this person is putting too much emphasis on the Ivy League and big tech background. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with some people who have Ivy League educations, and they're fantastic. Great to work with. I've also worked with people who have so-called big tech experience. Also fantastic. But I've also worked with a whole bunch of really fantastic people who have neither of those things, who are also awesome. And so, I, I mean, while these things are great, potentially, I don't really think they, they make an engineer that amazing. Hmm. I feel like you're missing some cells in the truth table, like the Ivy League experience or big tech experience that's not awesome and the lack of Ivy League experience that is also not awesome. <laughs> yeah, those exist. <laughs> we covered covered the gamut. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably fair. I guess I'm just assuming that okay, like this is a this is shorthand for this person is very capable. Well, I I think that you just hired them. So I mean, it says here I just hired someone who's very very smart and then goes off to rattle off all these credentials. But the fact is like this is a human being and they're going to have shortcomings, gaps in their knowledge, gaps in their skills. Maybe they have a time management problem, despite the fact that they have excellent credentials on paper. You know, who knows? You will have opportunities to coach this person and help them as their manager. And you will be able to see things about them that they might not be able to see for themselves. So don't, I would say, do not discredit your own ability to contribute to this person's career, lead them and guide them by virtue of the paper that they bring and the experience that they bring to the job. Yeah, I, I think I'm just assuming that they're capable and competent but there is something there of not being intimidated by credentials yes but suppose suppose you're not intimidated by credentials but they really are outrageously brilliant and capable and and just like know how to do the thing so well Mm -hmm. have you ever been in that situation where you felt like you were trying to figure out how to help someone who was so excellent at their job yeah and and just doing so well i do and and i'll tell you let me give you kind of the the, the philosophical idea then i'll tell you a specific example of when i had the situation but philosophically if you have someone that's super capable your job as their leader is to find opportunities for them to excel like apply this is a I don't want to reduce a human being to a a metaphor, but this is like a tool in your toolbox to deploy efficiently in your team to achieve your team's objectives. Like have at it. It's great. So create opportunities, find opportunities to make them successful. So this happened to me on a team, oh geez, almost 15 years ago, there was this fantastically smart engineer. I was working in an industry where we had customers who were very hands-on and it was like a kind of a custom development work environment. Mm-hmm. And this particular developer, I realized, had had grown extreme expertise in one particular area of our product that I think none of our customers had any exposure to. Like they, they knew about the feature. They were experts in their own right. But this developer was so capable and so smart. Oh, and by the way, Ivy League graduate degree. Is, <laughs> it is Of true. course. <laughs> it, this is actually true. I'm not making this up. And so I said, hey, how would you like to do a presentation on this topic? The topic was on bit error rates. Uh, and and he said, yeah, I'd love to. And I said, great. So I scheduled time with one of our customers. I, I had him deliver the presentation. And the customers were just thrilled. They were like, oh my gosh, you've made us think about this in a whole new light. I never even thought about this. And, and he went on now after that, he had so much clout with that customer that he ended up going into leadership roles. He's now a CTO for a successful engineering team years later. All thanks to me, of course. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> this one instance. But the the fact of the matter is I saw an opportunity. And you, you plucked him out of the you plucked this diamond in the rough out yes. of the 
the the the swamps of the Ivy League system. <laughs> <laughs> the eye for talent. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? But the the point is, I could have thought, oh man, I got to keep this guy under wraps, or maybe I should hand over the the job to him. But no, instead, I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this person an opportunity to show their amazing strengths and uh, get them some visibility so they can have even more and bigger opportunities to match their intellect and their capabilities. So we did, and it worked out great. So that, I think, is what your job is as this person's manager. And guess what? You don't have to go to Harvard to know how to do that. Yeah. I've done this the wrong way before, which is I worked with a very, very capable engineer, just excellent in in all of the ways I can think of. And in in one of our early one-on-ones, I think I was trying to communicate the sentiment that I, I am not here to tell you how to do your job. I'm here to make you more effective. Mm-hmm. But instead, what I said was, you are much better at programming than me, and I have nothing <laughs> to teach you there. And then like went on to the next topic. <laughs> so, so I think the vibe I gave them was more like, I'm useless, not like, I'm going to help you <laughs> help you deploy your great skills. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't do that. Like, Imagine what happens if you hand the middle manager key over to this person they're not going to like perform better magically knowing that their manager is is useless. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the some of the things that I ended up doing that were effective with this engineer. A lot of them were like communicating context or like making sure that yeah, like business decisions traveled down to them or that the engineering feedback they had kind of traveled back up to influence business decisions and and making sure it wasn't lost in the chatter of all the stuff that people hear. And and I think I did okay. I think I was I was valuable still. Yeah, I agree. Despite my early flubs. You absolutely were. I wasn't even there and I know you were valuable. Thank you. I I also think it's actually great to have people report to you who are more capable and smarter than you. In fact, it's way better than the opposite. <laughs> I so I played City League soccer when I was a little kid. City League Soccer is the one where like you just pay and show up and then you can play. There's no skill at all. No tryouts. Yeah, nothing. And one year I was on a team where everyone was bad. And I feel like that was that was the best I ever played because I I felt like I was the leader of the team. <laughs> okay. How does that apply to this situation? So I think I'm I'm contradicting you. Yeah. Like You were like even better than the coach? <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you're so capable that that your team looks to you as this like Oh, infallible, perfect, superhuman. Big fish, little little pond syndrome. Yeah, wouldn't that feel great? Until you have to like do stuff. Yeah, no, <laughs> right, and depend on your team. <laughs> it was fine as long as they just gave you the ball, right? <laughs> yeah, I I made some great plays myself. Listen, team, you have one job: give me the ball. I don't care what else you do. Goalie, just you can just take a nap. Just give me the ball. Keep feeding me. That's what I said. I have people on my team right now who report to me who are smarter than me, more capable, more experienced, and better at my job than I am. And frankly, I love it. And I use it. I leverage it all the time. I ask for their advice. I ask for their help doing things. And then they deliver things. And I'm like, oh, I I could not have done that. That's very impressive. And I'm learning from them. So, I mean, you can take this as an opportunity to be intimidated and worried and vulnerable. Or you can take it as what I think it really is which is an opportunity for you yourself to have an excellent, high-executing team, learn from them, and grow yourself. So that's how I would approach this whole thing. Yeah, same. <laughs> the advice Dave gave, that's the advice I give. <laughs> Perfect. 
Have we answered the question? I think so. Let's call that one good. Hey, Jameson, have you heard about the Great Resignation? Is it that Charles Dickens book? <laughs> Wait, no. The entire population on Earth has started taking our advice of quit your job. Oh, yes, that's right. Apparently, we have achieved influencer status. We've been telling developers for years to quit their jobs, and now we want to tell you how to do it. We're ready to reveal the secret. I mean, you don't just walk out shooting finger guns. <laughs> yes, well, you do that first. But after you do that, there's a new service we want to tell you about called Hired. What is Hired, Dave? Hired is the biggest AI-driven marketplace that matches engineers with companies. It is a great way to find your next job. I've been watching this industry for 20 years with a keen interest on hiring in particular, and I've never seen anything like Hired. Tell me about what you're seeing. So I've interviewed about 150 people in the last year, and I am serious. Every candidate that's come to me through Hired has multiple offers, and they're incredibly high, scary high, like 30% higher than other candidates. Is that before or after the finger guns? <laughs> yeah, uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty is it's totally free for engineers uh, and we would love for you to go try it go to hired.com slash soft skills to check it out hired.com slash soft skills quit your job the best way and check out hired shall i read our next question go for it this is from an anonymous listener who says hi i have a question about how to handle being confused in certain team meetings it happens when the meeting is about discussing a certain problem to solve and the most participants are much more up to speed with the issue being discussed what ends up happening is that they discuss things quickly while I am hardly following and wondering if I should even be there. This is painful to me because I'm aware that I'm not contributing much while my time there is wasted and spent half trying to follow and half stressing out thinking what I should do. I guess that in order to contribute, I would need to ask to be brought up to speed, which I find to be a bit tricky because I'll be asking myself, is it because I missed something or is it because of something I actually couldn't possibly know? <laughs> and secondly, should I have it clarified, which would disrupt the discussion and draw it out for others, especially if I need to go back to something the group already went over? Or should I address this completely differently, for example, by requesting meeting agendas and preparing questions before the meetings? I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to tackle this because it's a pain every time it happens. Ooh, this does sound painful. Yeah, some of my more frustrating work experiences have been feeling like this, where I'm sitting in a meeting and there's there's important work happening that I cannot comprehend and people are it's not even a just a useless meeting where people are discussing stuff i don't understand like things are happening and decisions are getting made and good ideas are being generated judging by the reaction of the other people who understand them right and i just sit there and and have no idea what is going on and feel like i yeah i'm i'm useless and utterly unwilling to disrupt the like good vibes to ask what a computer is or something like that. <laughs> what even is a computer? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's back up and start from some first principles. <laughs> yeah, first principles. <laughs> that's, the, that's like the executive move. Totally. What question are we really trying to answer here? And is that question, what even is a computer? <laughs> <laughs> and can we answer that first? Right. Can we? I mean, for everyone's benefit, obviously. Yeah. I just want to ground us. <laughs> Yeah, I want to center the discussion. Right. <laughs> on my ignorance. I mean, on... <laughs> oh, mm. man. Do you, Jameson, do you, when you're sitting in meetings and someone asks people to stop and and explain some basics, do you get frustrated with them? No, I don't. And if they ask me to explain it, I love it. I feel great. 
get to show off my shiny brain knowledge. Oh, you want to know what a computer is? Well, <laughs> it starts with my two favorite numbers. <laughs> you know the number zero and the number one? <laughs> Let's talk about those. <laughs> yeah, I but but I feel like it if I hearken back to my my years in schooling in book learning, mm-hmm. I do remember times where I I would roll my eyes at someone who I felt like did not get a thing that everyone else got, which is a bad thing to do and I should not do. But I think that's the feeling that this person is afraid of of like everyone already gets this, you're just holding us up. And I don't know how to tell if you're going to create that feeling or not in the group. Mm. But I don't feel it for other people that ask me questions or ask questions of the group in the meetings that I am in. It's a weird juxtaposition, right? I couldn't possibly cause an imposition on you by asking for clarification on this topic. But I insist that you stop the meeting and ask me when you don't understand. Yeah. It sounds like this is a general problem, not just a specific thing about a specific topic. Mm -hmm. It's painful to me. So there are people who don't work well in meetings like the like the tempo is wrong or the 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 environment is wrong yeah they don't absorb the knowledge by hearing people talk i don't know they 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 don't generate ideas by like reacting in real time and and kind of like keeping up to the moving target of what is in the group's head at the time and it is very possible that you are one of those people and and you do better asynchronously where you can ponder a little bit and think and write stuff out and read stuff Unfortunately, you still have to go to meetings because <laughs> right. you, cannot, you cannot avoid them. But this might not be like you don't know stuff. This might be a yeah, um, yeah. you you learn and, and perform better in a different environment. And then I think your comment about an agenda makes sense of it doesn't have to be an agenda, but some kind of pre-work of like, yeah, are there docs to read about the system you're going to be talking about. Or if, if you just show up fresh, you're not going to get much out of it if you show up as a blank slate. I agree with that. And I think that's probably a really useful thing to do here is to take some of these people who seem to know more than you and try to extract information from them beforehand. And it could it could just be that you've got some like kind of basic knowledge gaps that need to be closed. You know, in addition, if this... oh, I only knew about zero, <laughs> there's a one, there's a one. it makes so much more sense (laughs) computer makes sense (laughs) so like this i think that my next suggestion applies whether you are one of these people that you were just talking about jameson or whether you just have whether the only thing that you're suffering from is a knowledge gap and that is trying to get a hold of information before the meeting and trying to come having consumed that information on your own time like i have found it to be infinitely better in meetings well that that's a strong word that sorry the mathematician in me that is very small and almost not it's important to be precise in this podcast (laughs) yes (laughs) it is probably five times better of a meeting experience when everyone comes to the table having internalized the same knowledge beforehand so they have all the Mm. context they know what's being discussed so if you can bring yourself up to speed on that that can be a tall order too, by the way, but if you can, I think it'll help a lot. And so one way you can do that is by talking to the people who are participating in the meeting and asking them if, if there's any written documentation or recorded videos or anything that you could consume beforehand to make sure you're productive and can contribute. Yeah, I like it. 
there might also be some kind of critical mass of general system knowledge that helps you fit in new things in real time faster. I certainly experience this feeling much more often, for instance, when I'm in a new job and I don't know a lot of the history or, or what's going on in general. Mm -hmm. And it takes me longer to, to pick it up and would probably take more explanation. So this might get better in time as you just kind of learn more until you know everything about right. all the things happening at your company. And, I, and that's, that's a good point because time does tend to cure this ill. You know, just, it just takes time to absorb context sometimes. Plus, the longer you're there, the more of the system you'll just have built. Like you get to right. throw away everyone else's bad work and do right. your good work. Right. And then, and then it's easy to keep your good work in your head. Yes. That is, don't you think that's true? It's like a hundred times easier to retain or to have like a working mental model of how a system works that you yourself built as compared to one that you've just observed. Absolutely. I've heard it. I actually experienced this too, as, as it's so much easier if you play an instrument to play a song that you wrote than to oh. play, to, to learn a song that someone else wrote. Interesting. It just feels natural. Like, of course you play it like this, because that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a pain every time it happens. You could also try, if you don't want to reach out or interrupt the meeting, you could try asking after the meeting, if you have like a chat channel or something like that, like... Was anyone else unsure about what this meant? And that might uncover that this is, you have a, a crowd of supporters and it actually is worth interrupting the meeting because there are often other people who have the same questions you have. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Have we answered the question? I think so. Oh, one last thing that I want to say. It's painful because you are not contributing much. That's not true. You are taking oxygen and you're turning it into <laughs> carbon dioxide. And without that... <laughs> All the trees would die. Yeah. Yeah. We need you. <laughs> Good work. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing it right now. I'm saving... <laughs> I'm, I'm saving the world by being here on this podcast. Think about all the plant life. <laughs> you're welcome, plants. All right. I'm all used up. I am too. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. What can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. You can give us your question and all the personal identifying information you care to give or not, whatever you want to do there. And as always, we have to say thank you. Heartfelt thank you to everyone who writes questions. We love reading your questions. You keep the show going. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.